0: Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow listeners, and welcome to episode 35 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I'll be picking the brain of Nadia Feiner. Nadia, is what I would call the ideal big sister you never had. Her mission through her online membership groups, podcast, and one-to-one coaching is to help women with little voices become proud, confident, and successful business owners. Nadia, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain.
1: Hey there, Daniel, thanks for having me.
0: Hey there, Nadia. Now, I've done a little research and found some very interesting things about you, but before we delve into them, can you take us back to when you were a little girl? What was it like growing up?
1: Well, um, I'm, I'm a twin, so I have a brother called Ben. And a sister, and it was pretty happy, really. Everything was cool, and I I grew up in England, um, as you can probably tell. And yeah, no, I was everything was, you know, good. Nothing to complain about. I didn't like grow up in a dumpster or anything like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. It would have made a very good uh, episode, but
1: uh... <laughs> I've got that kind of angle to my story. Hmm. But yeah, things were fine, and then I. I just remember, kind of, as I was getting older, a few slightly odd things happened to me, which gave me um, a sense that maybe I sounded a little bit different to other people. So I remember a couple of conversations that I overheard um, between my mum and, you know, various adults about, you know well, I'm sure, you know, as she gets older, it'll change. And I was thinking, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then, you know, I got shipped off a couple of times to um, sort of lessons in posture and elocution and things, which sounds all very Eliza Doolittle, but I, <laughs> I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, just went along with it as you do when you're like eight years old and um, it wasn't until I was at secondary school and I was learning French and we used to have one of those kind of old-fashioned language labs, I don't know if you remember those, with tapes and used to put earphones on and kind of repeat what they said on the tape, you know, and record yourself. And I remember hearing it back and I think must have been 11 and that was the first time I'd heard my voice like recorded hmm. and I didn't even know it was me.
2: <laughs>
1: wow. I completely freaked out. I was like, what the hell is this? And then <laughs> I realized it was me. Um, yeah. So then there was, you know, it kind of escalated a little bit from there because it's a strange thing. voice. People feel they can comment on it, you know. Mm. and um, I kind of had lots of interventions at various points through my life with you know particularly um at secondary school and at work where people would um you know try and change the way I sounded, and they'd say things like what she says is very sensible, but we can't put her in front of a client
2: oh
0: gosh, that's <laughs> terrible
1: how rude
0: that's that's really rude <laughs>
2: It's terrible.
1: And then people, say, like, even randomers would say stuff to me. So I get, like, comments a lot in restaurants or if I go and have my hair cut, people will say, you know, you should do voiceovers in cartoons and oh, stuff. Oh, God. Like that. So wow. it's kind of annoying. And I used to think, well, oh, my God, like, what gives people the the idea that they're allowed to say things to you about something which is about your person. You know, Mm. I wouldn't go up to someone and insult the way they looked, you know? Just a random person. But for some reason, I think people feel they can say stuff.
0: For those those listening, though, I mean, how old are you now, Nadia?
1: I'm eight. No, not really. (laughs) I'm (laughs) glad you
0: can make fun of yourself. That's wonderful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm 37, so... You know, like, the other day I was organising a birthday party for my son Mm -hmm. and I rang up the sports centre and she asked to speak to my mum.
0: Oh, God, no.
2: Wow.
1: it is funny because I think, gosh, I am the mum. Like, what would she think that I'm eight and I'm organising my own birthday
2: party? Right. Wow.
1: (laughs) That would be odd. So I think, essentially, You know, I'm a pretty confident person in my own abilities, but Mm -hmm. having this thing about myself has made it slightly more challenging to be taken seriously or to put myself out there, if you know what I mean, because I didn't want to be judged by people. Do you
0: know what I love is that of all the things you chose to do, you (laughs) are a podcast host. You actually have your own podcast show, which is insane because most people would think, well, okay, you know, that's literally putting yourself out there. That's like basically saying F you to the world. It's like, yes, this is is what I've got, but I'm going to put myself out there.
1: Yeah, and you know what? So about two years ago, I was doing my business coaching and it was all going fine, had lots of clients, but I just had a sense that... I didn't want to be the same as everybody else, and I know that lots of us, when we're starting a business, if you have um, a service-based business and it's you know you are essentially your brand, you know how do you stand out
2: right. from
1: everybody else? And in the business coaching world, there's a lot of kind of fancy pants people <laughs> with flicky hair and high yeah. heels and stuff, and I'm not really like that, and I just felt like I didn't want to pretend to be the same as other people and I didn't want to be something I wasn't and actually the little voice thing is it is the thing that's memorable about me when you first speak to me but also it's a kind of metaphor for how you feel so um you know maybe a lot of other people feel little um in terms of their influence or their confidence or the size of their their profits um So I just decided to really embrace it and once I'd made that decision, uh, which was really scary actually at the time because I felt very exposed actually, Um, once I decided to go for it then I thought, well, what would be like the craziest thing I could do (laughs) (laughs) Um, given this you know, this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I'd done my first... I made a video, and I remember that was a really scary thing because, obviously, I'd always hidden away. So although I was good at what I did, I didn't really kind of shout about it particularly, and I didn't, like, want to be particularly visible. I, so I really pushed myself. I made a, my first video, freaked out, and was but <laughs> then was very happy that I'd done it. And then I thought, well, now... The next stage would be a podcast. Wouldn't that be mental to go and do a podcast? Right. Something like this. But you know what? I did it and I've called it Little Voice Big Business. That's such and a great
0: name, by the way. Little Voice Big Business. I love it.
1: Thank you. And actually, since I did it, everything's kind of gone from strength to strength. So I think often when you're... There's a siren outside. <laughs>
0: it's okay, you can allow the sirens, we, we, we won't mind.
1: Someone needs to go to hospital. Um, <laughs> I think often when you're trying to identify a personal brand um, to differentiate yourself from other people, sometimes the thing which is the most raw or kind of feels a bit uncomfortable about yourself. That's maybe the thing. That's the thing that's going to take it to the
0: next level, you know, and you have right. to embrace it. You know, I noticed um, I looked at some of your blogs and I looked at your podcast. I didn't actually listen to any of them yet. Uh, so to, to, for those listening, I actually have never spoken to Nadia before this podcast episode. So I'm, you know, this is new to me. Um, but what I was impressed with, and now I'm even more impressed with it is that you talk a lot about being a pushover like not not being a pushover how people shouldn't be pushed around um, and not being afraid to stand out and shine and how did you break through that because you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's been a long process actually because um so my my business kind of background is slightly different to other people i think insofar as i started with a book so um the first thing i did was write a book with my friend and then off the back of the book it's called um more to life than shoes and it's all about
0: let me just repeat that more to life than shoes yeah (laughs) it sounds like something i should give to my wife to read
1: I think your wife would like it It was. Just <laughs> I think I'd like it <laughs> It was basically because Save a lot of money We wanted to um, We, Me and my mate were bored with our lives And we decided we wanted to do something about it And so we wanted to get inspired by women Who'd done all these kinds of awesome things And we felt that it wasn't really At that time This was a few years ago hmm. There weren't really that many inspiring stories in the media of women who done cool things it was at the time of like lads magazines and stuff and <laughs> so we decided to go off and interview some really awesome people who'd done things like climb Everest or wow. invent cool. stuff or be amazing brain doctors and uh, it was kind of our journey and off the back of that I decided to launch my first business which was a women's network
0: but before um, we get there <laughs> Nadia, how old were you when you wrote that book?
1: Oh, um, unfortunately, I'd like to say I was like 12 or something, (laughs) but I wasn't. I was about 20, uh, 25, I think.
0: You know what? It's so funny because you make it sound like, oh, big deal. I was 25, I wrote a book. (laughs) Most 25-year-olds don't write books. Like, I don't know where (laughs) people get this. (laughs) You've got to be eight to write a book for it to be impressive. No, I think (laughs) that's...
1: getting say um, now it was pretty impressive because it got published and we had a blog and everything and um, yeah so from there I did that business and then I started other businesses and um, what I happened think-
0: with that business before you go on what what happened yeah. with the business
1: Oh, well, I grew the network. It was a nation- it was national, and even we had the odd group internationally. Wow. It was in the days when Facebook was just starting. And the ironic thing is, when I look back on it, I think, oh, my goodness, if I'd done that a few years later um, with online courses, Facebook groups, yeah. people understanding membership sites, um, that would have been amazing. But at the time, I really struggled to monetize it. And see the value in online.
0: Right. How many members did you have in the group?
1: I think altogether we had like a thousand paying members.
0: That's impressive. Look, let's just take put it put it in put it in perspective here. There was no Facebook, right? There was no, and you just managed to get a thousand people in your group paying.
1: Yeah, but then it was kind of I was I think I was plagued by doubt. And this, was, this is kind of the point. I had no support from... I was running it by myself because the girl I wrote the book with wanted to be a writer and not run a business. So I was doing it alone. I thought, you know, I don't... I, I'm not going to ask for help from anybody. I'll just crack on and do this. And then the problem was I kept changing my mind. I wasn't sure, you know, regarding pricing and strategy and all of that. I really was determined to make it scalable, but I was kind of, the confidence thing really kind of stopped me a little bit from achieving what I could have done, and it's just, uh, looking back on it, I think, wow, I kind of achieved a lot, but at the same time, I could have done it so much better. So, there was a lot of learnings in there, but definitely, I I realised I had issues around money and charging and things like that, so... That was a bit messy. And then I went on to start this other business, which was a lot more successful. It was a PR service for female entrepreneurs. And I matched media opportunities to female entrepreneurs. So when a magazine would say, oh, we're looking for a woman in her 50s who's turned a hobby into a business, um, Maybe something to do with chocolates,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> and you'd
1: have somebody and be like, Yeah, look, you can have this person. So it went, it was good.
0: That was mediadarlings.com, but,
1: yeah. That no, it was mediadarlings.co.uk. And that name, I'm really proud of that name, that was a good name,
0: yeah. Media but Darlings, hmm.
1: it went bad.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, can we before, we before we get to the bad, what paint the picture of? the good first what what did you manage yeah. to do with it and then how did it go bad
1: well the good was I built up a business which paid me more money than I'd ever earned
0: before. how much how much money is that
1: um, I think I was earning about maybe four thousand pounds a month
0: okay four thousand pounds a month is about what six thousand seven thousand dollars a month something like that
1: yeah, and I was um, working part-time from home, and it was great.
0: And that was you know, part-time working from yeah. home. How old were you?
1: Oh, God, uh, maybe 30 some early 30s. I can't remember.
0: Mar- I'm married, I married with children stuff. or single?
1: Yes, I was married and I had, I still am married, and I have a son called Jacob, who you can actually hear on my podcast. Okay. he is He's pretty hilarious, and I'm not <laughs> just saying that because I'm biased. He's like a mini preacher. It's really funny. <laughs> okay. He's, he's funny stuff, like, he's saying so you... You've got to believe to receive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to your son in a minute, actually. But uh, before we do, so sorry, I took you off on a tangent yeah. there. So, so this was a Media, um, what was media it called? Darlings.
1: Media Darlings. Media Darlings. It was darlings. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Enough money. I was satisfied. You know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, this is awesome. I'm you know, I'm doing this from home. I've got this cool lifestyle. I can buy whatever I like. I'm right. not stressed how how
2: marvelous (laughs) and then
1: then. um, i started to go wrong because i was contacted by someone who wanted to get some experience in pr Mm. and i thought well actually i could use a hand um as it was expanding and i brought someone in to help me see and the interesting thing in hindsight is that sometimes we attract people into our lives and i'm not like superstitious or particularly spiritual so i don't really um, go for all that manifesting stuff but i think you sometimes attract people who sort of fulfill a gap maybe or a need that you have or maybe are the opposite to you for some reason Mm -hmm. so this woman who i attracted into my life was kind of everything I was not
2: wow okay
1: (laughs) yeah so I was you know it was all going fine and um it was scale it was a scalable business I love scalable businesses so I was happy with that and it was small clients but lots of them um and this person came into my business and sort of shoulder barged me gradually out the way.
0: <laughs> oh, come on, Nadia, how'd you let that happen?
1: Well, it was a sneaky thing and I'm I think um she started to sow the seeds of self doubt and, you know, you're she kept saying things, you're playing small, you're you're not charging enough. We need to be bigger. We need to go global. We need to do the you know, all this mm. kind of stuff. And it it sort of started seeping in gradually and um I started to kind of question myself and to be honest I'm not sure that I would ever be strong enough to stand up to somebody like that um anyway but I should have seen the signs sooner um and then it all got very out of hand and after eventually oh this was the clincher okay (laughs) there was a few random moments but one was she said that We thought she thought we needed an office in New York and one in
0: Shanghai. Oh, of course, why not? You know? And
1: I'm
0: like, don't even have a London office. Oh Nadia, you know, I love these guys. I I, these these, I love the people that say, I'm gonna start business and I'm gonna have an office in Paris and one in London and one in New York and one in Shanghai and we're gonna just hire staff even though we've got no money yet, we've got no clients, but what the hell?
1: It was insane, and I started to think, am I mad? But I think this is, like, really an odd thing. And her kind of angle was that the clients we had were too small, and she wanted to turn us into a kind of PR agency, whereas I'd never set out to have one of those. It was more a service. It was kind of, it was a bolt-on service. You know, when um, you... Supplement something that exists. You add another layer to it. So, say you took, um, say you took Zero, the financial tool, and you incorporated Zero with an additional level of service, like reconciling people's accounts.
0: Right, for those listening, by the way, Zero is X E R O. Um, it's yeah. a software. It's an accounting software. I'll link it in the show notes. But it's yeah. a very powerful um, accounting software.
1: And the, um, the idea of that kind of business would be that you provide a small service on top of an existing tool. Well, the business provided a, a layer of service on top of media requests, which is, a, you know, you can sign up for media requests mm-hmm. from um, one of these kind of PR tools. So that was the model. It was never to be like a global PR agent.
0: Right. You were basically running a very nice home based lifestyle business, which was paying you good money and you were able to do what you wanted. You had the freedom. And then comes along this, 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 I, I don't even know what to call her, uh, comes along I this.
1: Think <laughs> the term is a bully.
2: A bully. Because there it we go. all
1: kind of it went down when she said, and you see, the thing is, I do. I do see that business as having been a lifestyle business, but at the same time, I did think it had, it could have become huge, like it could have had a thousand clients, it could have been a nice little earner and not that much work really for the money. Um, Why
0: didn't you go, Nadia, what I want to understand is, okay, she pushed you out, she she ruined the business, why didn't you then go back and just start it again? You knew how to build it, why didn't you just start again? same business
1: because it was (laughs) you you're gonna think this is weird it was an emotional time it was so i don't think i've ever been so furious for such a long period of time this to to give it some context so it really kicked off when she she turned to me one day in a meeting and said that um I should get paid less than her because I was so I, I worked part time and therefore I should be you know she should earn more than me and I was like what <laughs> and something kind of clicked and I just said it's over you can expect to hear from my lawyer or something
0: <laughs> Oh yeah and, I love that line
1: <laughs> Yeah and then I then she hired like a city firm of lawyers
2: Oh god
1: I know, not, not like um a lawyer, but like, <laughs> like a London based firm. It was unbelievable. Crazy. So I had a few months of like of this and at the end I thought, you know what, I don't need to do this business, I'm gonna do something else. I re I just I could have, I had the name, I could have just reinvented it, but it take the whole experience really sort of took the shine off um of it for me, really. Right. Um, kind of traumatic.
0: So then you, <laughs> then you started. Uh, what was the next business you started?
1: Yeah. Then I was just myself, and I was got very, that's kind of why I became interested in personal brand because right. I was like, I'm never working with anyone ever again.
0: Right. I hear that. I hear that. But you also had something called DailyMustHave.com or. .com. Oh
1: yeah, that was just. I went into, like, a period of fiddling around after the disaster. I started French Film Club. Did, French uh, Film
0: Club? What is that? That
1: was, that was brief. Um, I was looking for opportunities. I was looking for niches, so I fiddled around with a few different websites. Okay. Daily Must Have was going to be this kind of bargain of the day thing. Um, I'm good at coming up with names. But,
0: why, but didn't, why didn't those work? I want to understand because people listening to, to this want to find work. out what works and what doesn't work. So why didn't Daily Must Have, for example, why didn't that work?
1: Because I changed my mind. You see, I was really kind of, the rug had been pulled from under me. I'd never been in a situation where a business had been taken away. You know, when it suddenly didn't exist.
2: Right. And I didn't
1: have a plan. So... You know, at that point, I was like, oh, my God, you know, two months ago, I had a business (laughs) and I knew what I was supposed to be doing. And now I have nothing. What the hell am I going to do? (laughs) So I kind of went into, I was first, I went through this like weird process where firstly I was livid, like I literally wanted to punch this woman in the face. Then I calmed down and was just really sad. And then I was kind of scrabbling around looking for inspiration and there's nothing less inspiring than kind of desperately looking for inspiration, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um so during that time I was still doing kind of bits of consulting work and being asked for advice and can I pick your brains and things <laughs> like that. And after a while Hey, hey, you can't steal
0: you can't steal my name, all right? <laughs>
1: <I> no. <know. laughs> It became obvious to me that the thing I'm best at is helping people grow their businesses and actually I realised that that was my favourite thing when I was doing Media Darlings wasn't really the PR, it was giving people the advice on their strategy and their positioning Um, and obviously I'd done that with um, the networking business before so yeah, I just kind of relaxed a bit and it kind of flowed and I went I, back to what I was
0: good at. And you started a blog called uk as oh, yeah. well. yeah, that
1: was my angry phase.
0: That was the angry, <laughs> so you you created that out of anger.
1: i was was really furious i like decided to write (laughs) about business disasters (laughs) i'd forgotten i did that (laughs) yeah so for a while i was like focusing on all the things that could go wrong but then it didn't really cheer me up
0: (laughs) right you know I find that when we react out of anger we, we never feel better afterwards you know um, and, and, and I give an example for those listening you know I, when I was building up my uh, my virtual office business um, I had a lot of clients that owed me money and mm-hmm. they refused to pay and they just suddenly just disappeared from the face of the earth Their email was like not working anymore and you, you know the phone number suddenly was was gone uh, you know and I just held on to the anger and I held on to the, you know, how dare you steal money from me and I'm never gonna give up. I'm gonna chase you and chase you and I even, you know, I, I, it was crazy because I, you know, I even had like their address and I was like, even thinking, well, maybe I should just go and drive down there and knock on their door, but you can't run a business like that because ultimately you're just gonna drive yourself in the ground and as you said, Nadia, nothing worked for you during that time of anger like you started several different businesses but you were still in that phase of either anger or desperation and when you're in a phase of anger and desperation when you're in that state you can't you can't be creative you can't you can't tap into your genuine self and be the best you can be and grow a successful business so ultimately you've got to just really just look at it as a business and not take it personal I'm talking to myself here that you know when someone owes you money you know what it's a business you get somebody else to deal with it I've got a guy now who he deals with I'm not talking about Tony who's gonna break their legs I'm talking about a (laughs) nice a nice guy who you know it's a system he he sends them a couple of emails he makes a few phone calls if they still don't pay then you take them to a small claims court or you just write it off you know sometimes you've just got to write it off and you just got to—it's like an expense. Just like you know, your air conditioning is an expense, and your office is an expense, and your you know gas money to to drive places—that's an expense. So too, you know, bad debt is just part of business. It's an expense, and it's so important to just systemize it and to look at it as a business and not take it personal. Otherwise, you just you can't you can't create. And I realized. That for every hour that I was spending chasing bad debt, I could have been spending that same time growing my business and getting more clients.
1: I completely agree. It's happened to me before, too. I learned the hard way a few times with, um, with various dramas. But actually, um, drama is uh, it's, it's very alluring. We get sucked into people's dramas, not even just our own. And one of the things I advise my clients to do is to move away from drama.
2: Right, right.
1: Because I think that, um, you know, when when you're growing a business, if stuff's going on around you, I'm not just kind of bad debt, but maybe someone said something mean or Mm. they were... This happened in a Facebook group Or such and such Copied such and such You know, all this kind of thing Just ignore it Um, Even also now with um, The stuff that's going on in the UK Which is a massive Drama on a meet, well, a ridiculous scale, right. um, I've got friends who are sucked into the drama of the whole like leaving the EU thing, Brexit. and there's nothing right. we can do to change it, so you can either choose to be sucked in um, and neglect your business and then be in trouble, or you can just focus on growing your business and, you know, get on with it. <laughs>
0: Right, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Now, you had an epi- a podcast episode about the challenges of working from home and yeah. uh, some of them were quite <laughs> hilarious. Can you share some of those with our listeners?
1: I can't remember what I said in that episode. <laughs> but it is. Um, I find working from home, like, I love it, but at the same time, you know, earlier today, for example, so my office is at the front of the house, which is great if you're being nosy. It's it's got lots of light, um, but it means that the postman can see me, um, (laughs) so I am like the local depot, which is a bit annoying, and also, you know, earlier I was on a call with a brand new client in America
2: what happened
1: and my neighbor's like waving at me these <laughs> a parking permit and i'm like glaring at her like going go like if my eyes could talk they would say go away i'm on a call and she knows what i do and she just knocked on the door and oh, she's like no. i'm so sorry i had to go and give her a bloody parking permit <laughs> <laughs> this is <of> my call <laughs> yeah S- speaking kind of, of speaking
0: of working from home your seven-year-old jacob he gatecrashed your podcast once what what happened
1: uh, i've actually let him do it a couple of times now i so f- he's kind of intrigued by it he's eight now and okay. he um so he's gatecrashed it twice and i let him do his own episode which was really funny and eye-opening because okay. he just made it up and he um he was He's quite shouty, so we're very different <laughs> in that respect. And my producer, she said, like, if we're going to do an episode together, you know, I need to somehow turn him down and me up but really loud and <laughs> i said you know he was really far from the mic and i was right by the mic so <laughs> seriously he's very loud and um
0: what did he was- talk about i'm just because i've got an 8 year old and I and, yeah. I and he loves my 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 podcast show and he always goes you know daddy uh you know uh I, I love your show and and i feel like he would love to come on my show but i i what would he talk about like what did your eight-year-old talk about on the show
1: well i just said give give my people some tips so I want you to come up with some business tips business tips me.
0: from an eight-year-old with absolutely no experience here we go
1: and so it's really funny his his first one was about don't make enemies and with I think I was referring wow. to, <laughs> wow. to going on about not making enemies then he said something about you've got to believe you've got to believe to receive <laughs> and all this stuff's really hilarious wow well. um,
0: where is he picking this up just, from, though? Is he picking this up from you?
1: I'm not sure because I don't think those are things I would say. I'm, I'm wondering if he's either just making it up or it comes from TV. But he's like a mini, a mini sort of slightly aggressive life coach.
0: Well, I have to tell you, if it's coming from TV, I'd be very, ha- I'd be very happy if are oh, you that he's saying that and not other things, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's
1: really hilarious because he's, he's like sort of we're like poles apart it's really funny because he's so i'm not really the kind of shouty in your face kind of person as you can imagine
2: Mm
1: -hmm. i wouldn't just spend 20 minutes yelling at my people to get a grip (laughs) (laughs) basically
0: get a grip i'm eight years old and i'm telling you don't make enemies believe in yourself and get a freaking grip
1: Yeah, basically, it's like that. But then I've had loads of people write in and say, Oh my god, that was hilarious. And they're like quoting him and (laughs) stuff. It's pretty weird. So I've got to keep him away from the mic now. Oh, you are? He's trying to steal my show.
0: (laughs) Right. If, If Jake, by the way, I've got a bit of an echo. Not sure why.
1: I haven't moved.
0: Now, if if, um, Nadia, if Jacob was listening to this 10 years from now, what advice would you want to give him?
1: Part of me thinks he may not need my advice by then. (laughs) (laughs) He he might be employing me or something. Um, But I think I would tell him he needs to listen to people listen to what his people want rather than I think he probably has more of the mentality that he's going to tell people what they need and sort of foist it upon them so I will encourage him to be a bit more humble and uh, try and listen to people <laughs> because I think the way he's going right now he might.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you'd be surprised those are very successful businessmen you know they go out there and shout away
1: I might just ask him for some shares in
0: his business. Mm. <laughs> By the way, you know, Nadia, I, I hope I don't embarrass you here, but um, I found out that you had your hair permanently uh, straightened in 2010. Uh, <laughs> How did you find that out? I, I'm very, very resourceful. I think <laughs>
1: Right, what did I do?
0: Most of my guests wonder how I found certain <laughs> things about them, but I've got a little secret, which I might share with my audience. Um, actually, for those of you that want to find out how I do it, send me an email, daniel at danielgeffen.com, and I will respond to you privately with how I found this out. So it's daniel at com. Just put in the title, um, how did you find out... And that's it. Just put how did you find out, and I will. uh, I'll send it to you. Was it a scary? I've got
1: really mad hair. Like I've got really curly hair. Not
0: now though. You had it
1: it, and then I decided I'd straighten it to try and grow it longer. But then it, it went really boofy again, so I cut it all off. <laughs> oh,
0: God. So, so you had it permanently straightened in 2010, then it went poofy and you had to shave the whole thing off. What a waste. Well, not
1: shave it, but, oh, okay, you know, fine. I don't suit long hair. So I think I spent, like, three years trying to grow my hair and basically look ridiculous for three years. And everyone around you is going, oh, your hair looks great, and they're just lying, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and then you cut it off, and they're like, "Oh, that's much better."
0: <laughs> was it? Was it a scary decision to make? Because you know, once you go straight, you never go back.
1: No, it was amazing. I remember it being really. It was like, "Oh my word, who knew I could just have hair like this?" <laughs> <laughs> and that- then, yeah, then I gave up. But I think it's um, it's funny how I don't know. There's some things about you which are kind of you, which make you you. Do you know what I mean? So, for me, having short hair is just the way I am and it suits me. And, like, the minute you kind of change it or grow it or do something different, I really didn't feel, like, quite myself. Hmm. It's a strange thing.
0: Are there any business decisions that you have made that if you could, you would go back and change them?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think... um, I think with media darlings, I wish I'd just carried on myself by myself and brought in virtual help rather than feeling like help needed to be a business partner.
2: Because
1: mm. I now know, having got a virtual team, that you know they don't need to own a share in my business. People can just be helpers who you pay. Um, and I think I I was I didn't believe in myself enough at that point to realise that. And um, the funny thing is that with More to Life Than Shoes and not getting it to work particularly effectively online, I now have my own academy, which is a kind of reinvention of that. Hmm. Um, it's called the Actionista Academy. And I think the, the way a- I write it The
0: Actionista that, Academy... Um,
1: yeah, Actionista Academy. And okay. it's, um, it's a sort of reinvention of what I had before. And if I'd known all those things, I figured I could have done it a lot sooner. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I would have done it online, used Facebook properly, kind of had an online resource, all that stuff.
0: Okay, so and those li- those listening that would like to join your academy, Actionista, um, where do they yeah. need to go?
1: So, um, if you go to my website, Mm NadiaFiner.com, there's a big button on there, but the actual link is NadiaFiner.com forward slash Actionista dash Academy, but it's also on the homepage. And there's a $1 trial, so you can come and join for a week. See if you like it, Very and cool. uh, yeah,
0: but I have to say, Nadia, I noticed on your website that you only help women. I mean, what what what's up with that? What what's wrong with men?
1: <laughs> no, I do help men as well, but I think particularly for the, um, the online community, hmm. for some hmm. reason, we we girls feel a bit shy. I think sometimes when we're in mixed groups, and it. it I don't think that they would feel comfortable talking about some of the things they talk about if there were guys in there. Hmm, interesting. Weird. It gets wow. a bit emotional.
0: <laughs> right. I hear that. Well, Nadia, what's the best way for my listeners to get in touch with you?
1: Um, the best way would be to send me an email. Okay. And it's um, Nadia at NadiaFiner.com.
0: Perfect. Nadia, you are really a true inspiration to all women and men. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you to all my listeners for tuning in. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.